for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament and the prophets, we call them minor prophets, uh, these were the people that God called to try to get the attention of, uh, at that point, Israel was divided into two nations, Judah and Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom, and the northern kingdom and southern kingdom had not only separated from each other as nations, but gone very different ways in terms of their cultural and religious life. And this northern kingdom of Israel um, started blending uh, a faith in God along with um, faith in an expression toward these local gods and goddesses that were related to fertility or related to prosperity in in some other way, along with this God that we know as Yahweh, the the one and only true God, the creator of the world, uh, maker of heaven and earth. And so uh, these prophets were called up by God and given the message to go to Israel and beg them to turn back to God. Okay, And there'd been a succession of these prophets going along. Nothing had really, really worked. And so God raised up a prophet named Hosea. And one would think it's an honor to be a prophet. Most prophets got killed. That's why I've never volunteered for that job. Um, and, and the other part of that is uh, it's not always an honorable thing you get to be a part of. Ezekiel got to... Uh, uh, barbecue food over human waste, kind of a interesting calling in life. And um, Hosea is called by God to marry, um, what, what I'd say, a promiscuous woman. This could, she could be a prostitute, could just be promiscuous, but a, a serial adulterer. Sorry, folks, this is one of those R-rated sermons. And and so Hosea marries this woman who's promiscuous. And the message is, through Hosea, Israel, you have been a promiscuous woman. I've been the faithful spouse. And, and Hosea is going to play the role that, that I, Yahweh, have been to you, the faithful spouse. And Gomer, who he marries, Gomer, what a great name for a bad girl, huh? I'll say, you know, people use biblical names all the time for their children. The only Gomer I know is Gomer Pyle, you know. USMC. Um, anyway, here's the story. This woman just goes cavorting around, brazenly committing adultery, rejecting Hosea's advances, his attempts to reunite with her, uh, his, his pledges of wanting to be everything that she would want him to be, and her not needing to go outside their relationship. And yet on and on she goes. And as the as the movie as the story moves along, Hosea reconciles with Gomer and takes her back in. And then at the end of the book of Hosea, the story changes a little bit. And so having worked one metaphor through him of a husband and a wife, he moves the, the God moves the story toward a uh, a narrative around a rebellious child and their parents. And I'm going to read this passage of scripture today from the 11th chapter, and we'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll come to the Lord's table. Now, one of the things we can always take away from the minor prophets, though it was talking about nations, is we can always substitute ourselves in the place of Israel. You know, where have I been unreceptive to God? Where have I been unfaithful to God? What could God be doing to woo me back to himself? 
And that's always a message we can look at and personalize in the, in the uh, minor prophets. And this is one that I think would fit today. So here we go. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they didn't realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and and bends down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? Will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God most high. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Zebulun? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I'm God and not a man. The Holy One among you, I will not come against their cities. And then listen to this beautiful conclusion. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Let's pray together. God, as we explore this ancient text from Hosea today and what it holds for us, open the eyes of our hearts that we'd see you in this. May we, may we capture your heart, your passion for us, your passion for truth, your passion for righteousness, your passion for your creation to flourish. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart find a target in each of our innermost beings that we'd grow deeper and richer in our relationship with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the really neat things in biblical studies recently with a lot of data is we've been able to combine findings from archaeology, linguistics, all kinds of stuff in order to arrive at helps for interpreting some of these ancient letters. And um, archaeologists found that there was a complaint letter that was, they found fragments of in a lot of places, and and it followed a certain form, a complaint letter that a parent made against a rebellious child. And this, this letter was written up. It was brought to the elders of the village. And this is where a parent, they, they took very seriously back then, honor your father and mother that you may live along in the land. And so it also said in the Old Testament that rebellion was as a sin of witchcraft and that a rebellious child should be treated as a witch, which is death by stoning. So you actually had capital punishment for being a punk in those days as a possibility, okay? And so this this form goes this way, and we'll we'll look at the parts of it as it follows this form, is that a rebellious kid was turned over to the elders of the village, and the parents would say, "We we can do no more. We need your help to deal with this. And in the Jewish law, 
the help dealing with this from the elders went from the harshest punishment, capital punishment at one end, to some kind of a discipline or banishment, depending on the degree to which this kid had been out of control and what they'd done and how the elders of the village were disposed at that particular time. But brokenhearted and aggrieved parents that had nowhere else to turn would write this letter and present it. And the letter has three parts to it that all fit together into a whole that are pr pretty easy to follow. And the first is a complaint. And so you, you see this letter opens with this complaint. The more they were called, the more they went away, they sacrificed to Baals and burned incense to images. Baal and Ashtaroth were two gods of the time. The Ashtaroth was a, a goddess of... Uh, reproduction, and Baal was also a, a, a god of fertility that was worshipped, um, thinking that it might make crops come in more fruitful and abundantly. And, and so these were strange gods of the elements. They were lesser gods, but Israel had capitulated to these. And Israel is held accountable here in this offense for ignoring God, and they're accused of consorting with false gods, and it further goes on that Israel is full of rebellion. So th this, this complaint is a very, very solid complaint against Israel, the rebellious, wayward, incorrigible child. Then the second part of the letter is really the heart of the parent. And so what the parent would do is they turn the kid over, because you're responsible for the behavior of your kids in that era. So what you're saying in this letter when you turn it over to the village is, this kid's doing this and this. We can't take it anymore. And then the next thing they would do would defend their innocence as parents, that they had done everything that they could do, right? They, they, they're making the case, hey, we did everything we could to bring this kid around. He, in spite of it, we, we loved the skin off him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't obey. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do the right thing. So you guys take him and do as you please. And listen to this text. I led them with cords of kindness and ties of human love. To them, I was one that lifts a child to the cheek and bends down to feed them. And so, again, the, the case is being made by the parent. We, we invested fully in this child. We had every expectation that they would be a contributing part of society and a loving part of our family. And, and so the complaints made, now the defense of the parent, and you go to the third part of the letter. Uh, by the way, this charge, like I said, could bring down a death penalty. It, it, it might have gotten just the person banished for a time or, or for life. But very often, this, this led to capital punishment. And the, uh, it's hard, but the truth has to be told, I guess it is. And then, and then you get to the third part of this letter, and I, I find this particularly interesting, because this is, here's the sentence. Here, here's, what, here's what we think has to take place. As, and, and so at this point that, that God has said, this kid did this, I was really good to them, you're following the thing, therefore. We get to the therefore in the story, and you think, kill them, stone them. Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., you know, deal, deal's done, justice done. But that's not what happens here. There's a, there's a grand reversal. And God says, I won't carry out my fierce anger. I won't devastate them again. I'm God, I'm not a man. The Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children 
will come trembling from the west. So right when you expect the whole load of bricks to come out here, for the hammer to be dropped on this rebellious child that Israel has become, God declares that he will go and rescue them from where they're at. He will roar as a, a lion providing leadership. And, and then you hear this, this beautiful, his children will come trembling from the West. It's, it's hard for us, I think, to admit that at times our hearts are cold toward God, we're distracted, our anxiety gets us something else, and we, f- we forget God and we wander. And then we wonder as we wander, am I okay? Will God still love me? Am I welcome back? I've sure screwed up a lot. And this text says they'll come trembling from the West. So this morning, we stand in the presence of a God who loves his way past and through and redemptively around the sin of his children. He woos the wandering back into his arms. He assumes a leadership position, the roaring lion. And um, the invitation here for us as we come to the table this morning is to come in trembling from the West and from all those places where we've forgotten God or we've run from God. And boy, I've got a list. I don't know if you do or not. But for all of those, God is anxious to reconnect with us as we come to the table this morning and receive his grace. So let us come, trembling from the west, to the table of the Lord. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we seem to muck things up pretty easily, and yet it's dazzling the degree to which you go to love us and embrace us. The degree that you go to come to us and reclaim us no matter how far we try to run. And Lord, when we think of the ways that we come up short, day late and a dollar short in the things we do, you still love us and you receive our trembling and anxious hearts. God, we thank you that The way you've come to us is in the person of Jesus. And that through his death and suffering on the cross, we are welcome home. His death was that we might live. And God, we're intended to live in your eternal presence. So we invite you into the depths of our being. And we thank you that you're the God that welcomes us back.